0: Welcome to the Bleeding Blue and Yellow podcast, a podcast providing in-depth analysis and coverage of your favorite Milwaukee brewers by Peter and David Goh. Welcome to another episode of the Bleeding Blue and Yellow podcast. I'm your host, Peter Go. excited to cover today's episode. Back again for another episode. Spring training officially starting. Uh, Brewers opening up uh, their spring training season yesterday. And just want to cover a little bit of an overview on the MLB preview. And then also take a look next week on some future episodes. A more in-depth look at the Brewers roster and how what we can expect uh, to see as we exit spring training. So uh, before we begin today, David, what's today's trivia question? Today's question is, who was the last Brewer to wear number eight before Ryan Braun? Of course, Braun has had it for all these years, uh, but this will probably be the first year we don't see someone wearing number eight unless Braun does return. And the answer to that question will be at the end of the podcast. So uh, be sure to listen to the whole episode so you are able to find out the answer. We'll see if Peter knows this one. I'm um, not too optimistic, honestly, <laughs> about your chances. I'm not sure if I would have gotten it. Great. That's always... Uh, mm-hmm. Maybe a hint is in store. Um, to Perhaps. You, yeah, to give you a better chance. All right. So as we switch things up here, today I'll be covering today's random player of the day. We've got a good one today in store. Uh, former Brewers catcher in uh, the great Brewers era of the early 2000s, Chad Moeller. Uh, I actually did not know this. I thought Chad Moeller came up with the Brewers or at least uh, debuted with the Brewers. Uh, that was actually not the case. Uh, first started with the Twins and the D-backs before arriving uh, to join the Brewers in 2004, and it was just there for a couple of years. A career war of negative 3.6, uh pretty solid career for Chad Moeller. I, I believe he did he hit for the cycle yep. as a Brewer. Yeah. yeah, so that's kind of his claim to fame. Not really sure how that happened, um, but he did hit, hit for the cycle. I- I'm not sure there's m- any other highlights uh, to include he did actually have a pretty long career 11 years um, primarily coming just as a backup catcher never had a season uh, with more than 350 at bats so not a lot of playing time necessarily but kind of just a a backup catcher for 11 or so years Uh, played a little professional baseball I guess you could say and known for his uh, his cycle with the Brewers yeah that also was at Miller Park I just pulled up the uh, highlight video of it and I wonder where he hit the triple. I actually have never seen Mueller's, uh cycle. Oh, looks like it was a fly ball. Dive for it and missed. That's probably what happened. how was that a triple? Oh, that must be a double. What was the last one? Here, though. Here's probably the triple. Oh, probably off the wall. Oh, yeah. Jump for it. I was going to say, yeah. it's not easy to hit oh, a triple. Oh, that's bad defense. Not easy to hit a triple. In Geez, Miller slow. Park, especially as a backup catcher. Yeah. Although George Kataris could... or was that? That was in Houston, though. That's right, that's right. Cause he, and he was going to... No, the funny thing with that one, is he hit it on a Tal's Hill, and he already had his triple. And I remember I was watching it at the time, and I was disappointed because I thought it was going to be a triple again, and it ground rule double, bounced over the fence. That's right. So he got his cycle. Which, right, we were debating on whether or not you would go run to third or just stay at second for yeah. your double. That's right. I remember that now. Yeah. We were watching that together. Yeah. Well, why do the Brewers have the most random cy- right. cycli- cyclists? Cyclists. <laughs> Jody Garrett. Yep, Jody yeah. Garrett. Mike Heegan was a old one. Yeah, they're just, like, random players. I mean, of Christian course, Yalich. yeah, Jalich yeah, <laughs> a couple of times. Um, but, like, I don't think Braun ever hit for the cycle. No. Yount and Molitor, I think, actually each did once. For sure, Yount did, I know. I'd have to check on Molitor. But it is kind of weird that the Brewers have some uh, random—clearly, hitting for the cycle is 100% skill, Mm -hmm. as we all know. Yeah. And it should tell a lot about a player based Uh on (laughs) how many cycles they've hit in their career. Also, Chad Moeller is now like a a trainer or a coach, uh, like a personal coach for baseball. And his probably his most recent claim to fame was being the primary personal baseball coach for uh, now-retired minor league baseball player Tim Tebow— he uh, worked directly with Tebow, not exactly sure, probably on hitting or something like that, but um, how to hit for a cycle. maybe? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know if I'd say, I mean, Miller was actually probably pretty good though. If, uh, if Tebow was able to be an average hitter in double a and he hadn't played in uh, played organized baseball in like 10 years when he was in high school. So Tebow actually had a, a solid minor league career considering that he was he was really not a baseball player. I would say a better minor league career than Michael Jordan. Right. That's right where I was going. Uh, Similar in the sense that both crazy good athletes, obviously heading to another sport later in their career, or I don't know, Tebow's kind of had an interesting career Mm -hmm. altogether, but yeah, I think it was overall impressive, better than expected. Um, At least for me, I didn't expect him Mm -hmm. to even be halfway decent in the minor leagues. And whether or not you know he would have made it to the major leagues, and whether or not he would have made it for his true talents or his you know his name and branding, uh, I guess we'll never know how yeah. that would that have happened. I think the biggest setback for his major league chances too came when they eliminated 40-man rosters in September, because that would have been the, the best opportunity for him. And then of course that that uh, was changed now only 28 in September, so Tebow didn't get a shot there. So as we move towards opening day, we wanted to just take a broad look at the MLB and do a brief preview as to what we can expect from both division rivals, uh, league rivals, and even across the rest of the league as well. So starting off at a strong division in the AL East, um, I think the most interesting team there, just to start things off, is the Blue Jays, who have been a rather poor team uh, since the, I guess you could call it, Jose Bautista uh, bat flip era. Uh, any other teams there that excite you most? um, Or what are your thoughts on the Blue Jays coming in? The Blue Jays are the most exciting team. I think we're all kind of tired of the Yankees being good. I don't think they're as good as they have been in the past. Uh, They were defeated in the division series by the Rays last year, didn't win their division. They've got, kind of like always, a lot of swing and miss in their lineup, kind of inconsistent, a lot of injuries. Their rotation isn't that deep. They lost Tanaka, they lost Paxton. Severino should be back, but... He's been out for a while, so kind of a big wild card. And Domingo Herman is coming back from a lengthy domestic violence suspension too. So kind of a lot of uncertainties around the Yankees roster going into this year. Blue Jays are definitely the most intriguing team. They've got a really good young offense, Kevin Biggio. Uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., Bo Bichette, probably the best out of all of them. And then they brought in Marcus Semien to play second base, who is uh, coming off a down year, but uh, was a finalist for the MVP a couple years ago in the American League as a member of the Oakland Athletics. George Springer was also signed to a six-year, $150 million contract uh, to play center field. So they've got a, a very deep lineup and some young pitching coming up, too, that could help in a potential playoff run. Yeah, you mentioned those two signings by the Blue Jays, Semyon and Springer, uh, both very good players. I don't know, tier two sort of players, I guess I would consider them. Uh, Which of those players do you see as bigger impact players for the Blue Jays, both in 2021 and going forward? Um, Well, Springer is a a six-year deal. Semyon did get kind of a one-year pillow contract to try to reestablish his value. So presumably he will only be with the Blue Jays for this one year in 2021. But I I think that... Springer probably will have the bigger impact this year. But I do think that Semien could have an enormous impact and could even end up really swaying the results of the AL East. If we see like average player Semien like he was last year, the Blue Jays probably fighting for a wild card berth. If we see superstar Semien like we saw a couple years ago, what are your What's your projection for Semyon? Do you see him having a bounce-back year, and how does that compare to other projections out there, such as fan graphs? I think he will have a bounce-back year. I don't think we'll see the almost eight wins above replacement that he put up in 2019, but we also won't see the uh, below-average hitting Semyon that we saw last year. I think he'll be about an all-star caliber player, probably a guy who hits about 260 on base around 340 and slugs around 470 with very good up the middle defense. Uh, so probably in that four wins above replacement range, I think it's possible that he could be worth up near six wins above replacement if he has a very good breakout year going to a little bit of a more hitter-friendly park in Toronto rather than where he was playing his home games in Oakland previously. That could play to his advantage a little bit. I'm not exactly sure what we will see Fangraphs has him projected for in that three to four range a little bit lower than I was than I would project but uh, of course Fangrass knows what they're doing and they think that he'll be probably a, a tier below an all-star level player definitely would you know whether a three win season four win season all-star season likely that sounds like in that scenario, The Blue Jays do win on that deal. Granted that the Blue Jays are not necessarily looking for a one-year run here, push for the playoffs with some of that young core you mentioned. They may be looking for more of a long-term play, but who knows, depending on the year that he has, definitely could be front runners to try to re-sign him at potentially a higher price if he's able to improve on his lackluster 2020 season. So moving on to the AL Central, where the White Sox are probably the most interesting team and also... Uh, projected by most to take the division title. Is that the team that you see as the team to beat in the Central, or do you see the Twins or Indians uh, putting up a fight for that title? I think that probably it'll be between the White Sox and Twins. Indians traded both Lindor and Carlos Carrasco, lost Carlos Santana. The Indians aren't quite as good as they were a couple of years ago, even just as recently as last year probably, even with Bieber still at the top of their rotation. They're a pretty good team. I'd be very surprised if they challenged for the division, though, with the White Sox and Twins both being very good. Uh, White Sox having uh, have Grindall and Jonathan Lucroy, actually, as their two catchers. Uh, I saw somebody who said, and I, I don't know if i necessarily disagree with this, but they said, I feel like Tony LaRusso will have uh, Yasmani Grindall and Lucroy playing about the same amount of time. Uh, Lucroy, Lucroy has not really been very good since he left the Brewers, actually. He was about an average catcher with Texas. And then after leaving there, Colorado, Oakland um, with the Cubs and Red Sox, some more recently, kind of just been a backup, Uh, kind of an unfortunate career trajectory for him. And I remember people were tossing out the idea of a a four or five year extension for him. And that contract would still be going on right now. If the Brewers had made that move, seems like a very good thing that they did not end up signing that, uh, that long-term Luke Roy contract. Yeah, definitely looks good at this point. And, and even to think that, you know, Lucroy with Maldonado as the backup, to think that a contract extension to Maldonado actually probably could have been a better contract, which Brewers fans, including, I think, both of us, at the time, of course, would just laugh at because really Maldonado was just seen as a backup catcher, good defensive catcher, and that was going to be what he was for his career. But to think that the next four or five years, Maldonado would have a better stint than Lucroy, surprising. But like you said... As a, for the Brewers organization, which is always cash-strapped, uh, would have been it would have put a damper on things had they signed an extension to Lucroy. Mm-hmm. Also, not to mention, Brewers probably would not have Yelich because they they got Brinson back in the Lucroy trade. He ended up being the front runner in the Yelich trade. Definitely wouldn't have had the money to extend Yelich in, in that case. Uh, so, of course, uh, a much different trajectory for the Brewers. Very fortunate that it worked out this way. But the White Sox have a very deep lineup. Beyond Grindall they have uh, Jose Abreu, reigning AL MVP award winner. A couple of young guys, Eloy Jimenez, Luis Robert. Nick Madrigal also probably uh, is a, going to have a pretty good year as a rookie. I think showed some promise last year. Joan Moncada is very good. They re-signed Adam Eaton after uh, his couple years stint with the Nationals. And they've got a great rotation. They have Lucas Giolito, Dallas Keuchel, and Lance Lynn, who finished in the top 10 of the American League Cy Young voting last year. And beyond that, they've got some intriguing young arms, Dylan Cease, Michael Kopic and even the Wisconsin native Jonathan Stever. Yeah, I'd actually make the argument that the White Sox, at least personally for me, are probably the most fun team to watch uh, in baseball. I'm actually excited to see how all those young players gel together and if they're able to take that AL Central title. Um, if, if uh, seating opens up, we'll have to make a quick stop to uh, to watch a game there. Because I, th- I think that the White Sox are a very exciting team to to see going forward. Mm-hmm. But I also wouldn't sleep on the Twins. They still have a very good and a pretty deep roster. Uh, they've still got Sano, who's looking to bounce back. He had an enormously high strikeout rate last year. Donaldson's looking to bounce back. Brought in Andrew and Simmons. Jorge Polanco shifted over to second, which is probably a better fit for him. Alex Kirilov looks to be probably their everyday left fielder, and he was called up in the playoffs last year. Very promising young hitter. Uh, their pitching is a little bit shaky. Jose Barrios, Kenta Maeda, Michael Pineda actually on uh, in their rotation, who I think is only 30 still, um, which I find hard to believe. Jay Happ, Matt Shoemaker, some... Uh, some perennial back end of the rotation, one year contracts <laughs> that just kind of bounce around. Uh, they're they've got a, a a good roster. I don't know if it's better than the White Sox, but they also have uh, won the division each of the last two years. So it's possible that they'll kind of ride on that and and be able to propel themselves to a, a third straight AL Central championship. And just hope that they don't see the Yankees in the playoffs. Uh-huh. Pretty much. Yeah, that's still that's the most insane streak that they have not won. One of their last sixteen playoff games, dating back to two thousand four, they were even the two seed against the Astros this past year. Uh, they were up two nothing in the eighth, and then an error and a walk, I think it was, and then a, like a wild pitch, and then a couple hits, and they ended up blowing the lead. Uh, I was I go to school in Minnesota, and we were listening to the game during practice, and uh, practice didn't go all well that day. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so taking a look towards the AL West. Um, Astros, of course, again, near the top of the division. Fangraphs projecting them to take the title. Uh, is this a year that the Angels finally make a jump into the playoffs? Do we see a playoff Mike Trout? Uh, what are your thoughts on AL West? AL West is kind of interesting. I don't think that it's nearly as good as the other divisions in the American League. They've got, I would say, three above-average teams, but none of them are really that good. I think that the projections are a little bit more bullish on the Astros Uh, than they actually are than their roster actually looks to be martin maldonado is their is their everyday catcher along with jason castro they brought him back after uh, a stint with the twins and then angels they've still got guriel they have altuve correa bregman and brantley so they do have a a very solid core of position players still Uh, and i think that you can reasonably project them to be still a, a pretty good team but their pitching staff there are a lot of question marks there Grinky, they still have at the top of the rotation. Lance McCullers Jr., Frambert Valdez, Jose Orquidy, Christian Javier. A lot of unproven arms that have no more than about a year at the major league level. I think it's reasonable to expect that at least one or two of those guys at the back end of the rotation will produce pretty well. But I don't know if that's necessarily enough to win the division. Yeah, I could see a, a division full of a bunch of, you know, slightly below average and above average teams kind of muddling through the season and potentially even seeing which team gets hot uh, at the end of the season. I could see, I could easily see the Astros winning the division, but like you said, they're not the same team that they have been. Um, I think the Angels have a shot, of course, can't sleep on the Oakland A's. Uh, Mariners have some talent as well. Got to show some love to uh, the Mariners' top prospect, Jared Kalnick former teammate of mine and now the number four uh, prospect in baseball. You actually mentioned an article uh, written by the great Bob Nightingale on Kelnick and the issues with uh, contract negotiations with the Mariners wanting to try to get an extension signed with him. Uh, I guess Kelnick declined the the offer to do so and apparently is being negatively impacted. I guess the the Mariners are sort of penalizing him by keeping him in the minors just to keep the longer control. Yeah, and that's especially in light of Uh, now former CEO Kevin Mathers' comments sparked a lot of uh, controversy, and even beyond controversy, sparked a lot of uh, hate and malice from the players. And understandably so, he was criticizing prospect Julio Rodriguez's English, as well as Hisashi Iwakuma, former pitcher. He was complaining that Iwakuma wasn't able to fluently speak English in a, a couple years in the major leagues. guarantee you that if you put Kevin Mather in Japan for two, three years and immerse him, he's not coming out speaking fluent Japanese. Um, but then he was also talking about how they weren't going to start their service clocks, which the thing is, almost every team does that. Uh, it's just really a matter of um, of nobody coming out and saying it. Right. But now that they've said that... Um, it puts a little bit of a, a black spot on the Mariners organization. He resigned a couple days later in light of that, and he had been with the organization for a long time. It'll be interesting to see a lot of the the probably heated CBA talks this upcoming offseason could see a, a lockout or a player strike even. I think we will see changes to that, to what degree is to be seen. But I remember back, I don't know if this was really the first big moment uh, that this sort of contract issues arose, or if this was just the first time I personally uh, saw it in the news as much was Chris Bryant with the Cubs, the Cubs, uh, of course, doing that. And there was definitely controversy around um, keeping him in the minors longer as well. Uh, I think that we will see some change um, given that they will have the negotiations after the season, uh, but we'll see to what degree. Uh, But certainly I do think that the players deserve you know, a better situation, this should be addressed for sure. For mm-hmm. I mean, for for Kellnick and for every other prospect and player in baseball. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And alongside the Mariners are the Rangers towards the bottom of the division. Mariners probably are a little bit better than the Rangers at this point. But I do think that the race is really intriguing at the top. I think if the Angels stay healthy, they win the division. Shohei Otani, of course, is a big question mark. Didn't really hit much last year. Got hurt on the mound if we see a healthy Otani both pitching and hitting this year, I mean, he's a very, very good player, very talented, maybe the most talented player in baseball. So I think that he could play like kind of like what I was saying with Semyon, but even more with this AL West race. Yeah. I mean, you talk about adding Mike Trout and Anthony Rendon with a good Otani. I mean, we haven't exactly seen him have a good year yet, especially on both sides um, of the ball. But You talk about a trio of Mike Trout, Anthony Rendon, and Otani. I'm I'm not sure you have a better trio of three players on any team in baseball if we were to see that. Yeah, I I wouldn't necessarily dispute that. Albert Pujols also entering his last contract year. Uh, Not sure if he will come back. His wife seemed to indicate he's not, and then she retracted on the statement. Um, You would think that he would probably announce something before the year, possibly still mulling it over. Also, one thing is uh, he better be in the All-Star game this year. I don't care what kind of year he's having in what could possibly be the last year of maybe the greatest first baseman of all time, one of the top hitters in baseball history. Uh, I think we need to see him in the All-Star game this year, even if he's having the negative 0.7 wins above replacement season that Fangraphs is projecting him for. And we've seen that. In, in, historically as well with some of the, the great players Derek Jeter I know mm-hmm. all-star Mariano Rivera of course that great moment nonetheless like you said he should receive the respect he deserves uh sort of I guess muddied his um legacy slightly at least just from the recency bias of his poor performance um in LA but like you said he's one of the greatest first basemen of all time he's up there with Lou Gehrig really um and should get the respect that he definitely deserves I would, yeah, definitely agree with that. And their pitching staff is also a question mark. Jose Quintana brought in Bundy, Dylan Bundy, actually coming off a good year for once and a healthy year. Andrew Heaney, pretty good. Alex Cobb was acquired. I think that it's, you could expect the Angels to at least contend at the top of that division. Yeah, as we round out the American League, I thought it was interesting when looking at Fangraph's projections that they actually had the Yankees as a top team in the AL East by a significant margin with a projection of 95 wins. Uh, for the Yankees, and no other team in the American League uh, eclipsing the 90 win mark. Um, so kind of an interesting, um, just to look at the fan graphs projection system, um, really showing the Yankees favorably compared to uh, their other American League counterparts. Okay. So among the, uh, the American League, before we move on to the National League, who do you think will take the five postseason spots in the American League? Great question. Definitely got to go with uh, Yankees. I do believe will be in the playoffs. Uh, I, I guess I'll just go with five here rather than splitting it down into divisions and wild cards, but I, I do expect the Yankees to be there. Uh, I do have high hopes for the White Sox. So I do expect White Sox. I, White Sox would be my pick actually for the AL Central. I do expect the Twins to be in the playoffs. Um, probably not going very far in the playoffs, but I do see them making the playoffs. And then um, out of the, the, the AL East, I'm not entirely sold on the Blue Jays yet. I think there is some question marks. They're still young. Um, so I w- I'm going to go Red Sox, uh, the other team in the AL East. AL West, I think, is a toss-up. I'm going to I'm going to go with Angels, almost because I hope that the Angels win the division. I just want to see Mike Trout in the playoffs. I think we all do at this point. Uh, it's going to be – I mean, we're losing prime, prime years of one of the best players of all time in baseball, and to not see him in the playoffs consistently or really much at all. Uh, has been tough to watch. I almost just want to hope and will the Angels into the AL West champion. So I guess those are my five. Angels, White Sox, Twins, Yankees, Red Sox. Uh, your pick for the top five teams in the AL? Yeah, I do think the Yankees will win the AL East. I also think the White Sox will. I'm actually going to go with the A's in the AL West. We didn't cover them much. It seems like they always are just better than they should be. Uh, we saw that last year, the year before, and Really, I feel like every year before that, uh, they win like 97 games and you don't even realize (laughs) it. They lost Liam Hendricks and Marcus Semien. Not sure if they'll be able to replace that with uh, Elvis Andrews and uh, (laughs) Trevor Rosenthal. But I do think they still have a good roster, Matt Chapman, Matt Olsen. Overall, pretty good team and well-run team, even without Billy Bean actually now in their organization. Uh, And then I think for the wild cards, I would probably have to go with Rays and Twins. Uh, Like you said with the Blue Jays, I don't know if I'm totally sold on their offense. I think that they made a lot of strides uh, to being very competitive, bringing in Springer and Semyon. They've got a a decent pitching staff, but I don't know if it's quite that good. Rays also tend to overperform projections. Fangraphs only has them slated for 83 wins, but they still have a good pitching staff, even losing Snell and Morton. They've just got a very deep pitching staff that I think they have a lot of guys who will throw 90, 100 innings this year. Not really any guys that will probably throw more than 130, 140. Yeah, I think the Rays and the A's are being slept on especially uh, more than usual this year because they lost some pieces, which I understand, but I agree. Fangraphs with the Blue Jays, uh, a confident 88 wins. Uh, that seems high to me, and like you said, Rays only at 83. Uh, I I would actually expect the Rays to outperform the Blue Jays this year, uh, and certainly we'll have to wait and see how that rolls out. Now that we move over to the National League, and we will cover the NL Central briefly now, but we'll cover that more in depth later on, uh, especially as we see if there are any more moves to be made, how the rosters shape up, since the Brewers, of course, will be fighting for a playoff spot in that division. But looking first at the NL East, this might be the most interesting division in baseball. We saw the Marlins have a surprise playoff berth last year. The defending champion Nationals missed the playoffs. I think they only were they won about 23 games last year. Phillies had a pretty big collapse. Their bullpen was atrocious last year, an ERA of around seven for their whole bullpen. So their bullpen should be better. Brought back Relmudo, and then uh, Braves and Mets at the top. Braves were one game away from the World Series. Mets were, I, I would say, if not for the Padres, I would say in a-, in a normal offseason, Mets probably made more splashes than almost any team would in baseball. So I don't. This is probably a uh, the most. I don't know if I'd say this is the most contested division, but it's the most interesting where you could reasonably see all five teams being at least average or better, maybe even competing for playoff spots. Yeah, it actually reminded me of the AL East because you have good talent, Yankees, Blue Jays, Red Sox, and Rays, all good teams, and I could see all four of them have the potential uh, to win the division. And when you look at the National League East, similarly, Mets, you, like you said, made big moves over the offseason uh, bringing in Lindor and Carrasco notably, and like you said, in a normal off season, Mets would have been probably the biggest, the busiest team, uh, making the biggest moves. But we saw them and the Padres uh, making big moves in the off season while everybody else sort of just sat on their hands. Uh, so Mets look to be a, a new team from last year and likely uh, one of the top competitors in the East. You mentioned the Braves, another. Uh, should have a similar roster from last year and expect them to compete for the division nationals coming off the World Series. And Philly surprised me a little bit. They're kind of in a weird spot, um, I think, as a franchise. I think the Real Muto signing was um, kind of a big move for the franchise, one way or the other. I mean, if they choose to let Real Muto go, looking more for a rebuild. I don't know that the, now is the best time to try to compete with the Mets, the Braves, the Nationals. This is the best the NL East has been in a long time. So I would have potentially looked at um, if I'm if I'm the Phillies uh, scaling back and looking to rebuild, but they didn't. They chose not to go that route. Yeah, the Phillies are an interesting team. They hired Dave Dombrowski this offseason. I think there's a really good fit in Philadelphia. Their owner, John Middleton, has shown the willingness to spend money, which pairs well with Dombrowski. Dombrowski spends a lot of money, but he also has been successful one World Series with the Red Sox, with the Marlins a while ago, built the 94 Expos team that was should have been really good until the owner told them to tear it down, and the Tigers teams that vastly underperformed in the postseason a number of years ago. Um, So he's one of the more accomplished baseball executives in recent history. You'd have to think that he will help this team. I don't know if a rebuild necessarily makes sense uh, because they do have McCutcheon right now who you're not really going to get much trade value for him. If you just let Real walk, probably not the greatest decision, especially after giving up a number of prospects, including Sixto Sanchez, Bryce Harper, really entering his prime years. Uh, other than that one outlier year, he had like five years ago where he was like Ted Williams for a year. <laughs> um, their pitching staff's got some question marks. I don't know that they're necessarily at the top of the division, but I think they will be able to fight for a playoff spot. They have Archie Bradley in the bullpen, brought in Jose Alvarado, perennial ground ball pitcher Brandon Kinsler. Who would have thought Brandon Kinsler would still be in the major leagues, yeah. like as a decent reliever uh-huh. in 2021? Yeah, the, like. Yeah, I mean, especially, like, Thornburg was, like, the really right. good reliever at the time, and he's kind of flamed out. He was with the Reds briefly last year. Huh. I remember turning on the Brewer game, and I was so surprised when Tyler Thornburg was pitching against him. Basically the same day as, like, Manny Parra appearing on the Reds a couple of yeah. years ago back. Yeah. Oh, no, or Baran. That was, like, 2017 or 18. Also Reds, yeah, right? yeah, on the Reds. Uh, yeah, so Phillies have an interesting bullpen. Interesting. No, Neftali Feliz. <laughs> I did not realize that. <laughs> Yeah, okay, so maybe their bullpen's not as good as I thought. Um, I don't think it'll be great, but it'll be better than last year. Uh, probably about an 83, 84 win team. Uh, Marlins have a an interesting roster. I don't think they have enough to get it done. Uh, Jesus Aguilar's maybe their best hitter, along with Garrett Cooper. Uh, just right, keeping every, on the former yeah. Brewers, uh, a yeah. lot of uh, former Brewers in the NL East. Uh, will this be the year that Lewis Brinson breaks out? unlikely question probably not unfortunately and this is probably going to be the last year that that he's with the marlins i think the marlins will probably finish last in that division nationals brought in josh bell uh and kyle schwarber juan soto of course one of the best hitters in baseball if not the best maybe trey turner coming off an excellent year they have a, a decent roster especially brought in john lester too uh, to pair with Corbin, Scherzer, and Strasburg, very good rotation. Yeah, that's underrated. I think their starting their starting pitching is overrated at this point. I'm sorry, underrated at this point. Um, of course, everybody talked about it when they won the World Series, um, but they still have a, a a very strong starting rotation, like you said. Adding Lester, good solid arm uh, to add to a, a rotation with some star power already. Mm-hmm. And a pretty good bullpen. They brought in Brad Hand and Jeremy Jeffers. Jeffress coming off a pretty good year, even though he only got a minor league deal. He was a finalist for NL reliever of the year last year and only got a minor league deal. Uh, I don't really understand that, Uh, even though he did seem to get a little bit lucky. Nationals have a pretty good bullpen, decent offense, and very good rotation. Uh, I think it'll be a lot of how the offense produces and if the rotation holds up and stays healthy over the year. Yeah, so who's your pick for the NL East? I would go with the Braves. I think the Braves, their offense was outstanding last year. I think it'll still continue to be very good. The Mets on paper are really good, but we say that every year. I know they're better this year than they than they were in years past. But even going into last year, a lot of the statistical projections have the Mets winning the division. I just don't see it happening. Uh, kind of prove it to me when it happens. That's kind of what I see with the Mets. They do have DeGrom. They brought in Carrasco. Uh, Stroman's coming back. Taiwan Walker. And they did bring in James McCann, of course. Um, average everyday catcher, which is an upgrade from Wilson Ramos, who they had last year. I don't know, though, if I totally believe in the Mets. I feel like they'll find a way to uh, to be the Mets. Mets. Yeah, yeah. To, yeah, to be the Mets. Yeah, I'm actually going to go with the Mets for my pick on on the, on the NL East. I think the, the improvements they did make, I think Francisco Lindor will make a big difference. Uh, we'll see what kind of year Pete Alonzo has, but Jacob deGrom still in the rotation, still some strong arms there, decent bullpen. I'm going to go with the Mets for the NL East this year, but like you said, it will certainly be competitive Uh, between at least the Mets, Braves, and Nationals, I do expect the Phillies to still be a decent team as well. So let's just uh, skip over the Central real quick and take a look at the NL West um, with another team that made a lot of moves over the offseason, I think which really surprised everyone, frankly. Uh, The Padres, of course, making some some big moves, most recently extending Fernando Tatis uh, to a a huge contract. Uh, Who do you see atop the NL West? I still see the Dodgers. Uh, the Padres have done a really good job. They'll be maybe the best wild card team of all time, uh, which will earn them a one-game playoff against probably probably the Mets or the Braves or someone like that. Um, and, if I mean, if you're the Padres and you got to face the ground in a one-game playoff, yeah, I know you do have Darvish or Snell or Lamet or Musgrove or <laughs> <laughs> anyone. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they have, of course, a very good rotation, but I – That's kind of probably going to be a tough draw, assuming that the Dodgers do outlast the Padres in the NL West. The one thing that I could see happening, I don't know if it's likely, because I think the Dodgers are a better team now than they were back in 2018, but the Dodgers and Rockies tied for the division in 2018, and that was the year that the Brewers and Cubs also played that play-in game. Could we see the same thing? That would be an extremely fun game if we saw Dodgers Padres playing winner wins the division loser gets a wild card spot um it's hard to believe that it was only three years ago that the Rockies were almost winning the division but it's possible there will be some World Series hangover even with adding Bauer bringing back Justin Turner I mean they their roster is kind of stupid right it is it is and we say it every year I mean the Dodgers have had one of, if not the best, rosters uh, just about every year for the last couple of years. I mean, you could say similar things, I guess, about the Yankees on paper, but the Dodgers have, have proven it a lot more. Of course, Dodgers still unable to win a World Series until last year, but like you said, we'll, it'll be interesting to see if we see any World Series hangover from the Dodgers. I, the Padres are definitely going to give them a run for their money. I, initially, when the Padres were making some of their moves early in the offseason, I, I didn't quite understand why, um, because I felt like you know Dodgers, really good team still, still really good roster, still going to likely uh, the, the winners of the divisions, so why even spend a lot? Uh, but as the offseason progressed, they continued to make big moves that a lot of people didn't expect. Now I see them really competing, and like you said, I could. it's it's plausible to see the Padres uh, winning the division, getting to a playoff game against the Dodgers, and certainly it'll be exciting to watch. Yeah, I think they're legitimate World Series contenders. It's going to be about getting past the Dodgers. They're, they're the second best team in the National League. I, I'm pretty confident in saying that even we, we talk about their rotation a lot because they brought in Darvish and Snell and Musgrove. But their offense is really good, too. Of course, they have Tatis and Machado. Trent Grisham is coming off a really good year, which is kind of unfortunate as a Brewers fan. Hopefully, uh, Urias and Lauer can have better years this year. Uh, but Austin Nola is coming off a couple pretty good years as a catcher. Brought in ha Kim top Korean player over the last couple years. Young middle infielder Jake Cronenworth almost won Rookie of the Year last year, and Hosmer had a pretty good year. He increased his launch angle finally, <laughs> the year that we were waiting for. They have a very good lineup top to bottom. Uh, I think that they'll yeah, definitely challenge the Dodgers. I don't think it's outside of the realm of possibility that the Padres do win the division, even with a stacked Dodgers team. Yeah, story of the NL West is certainly going to be Dodgers-Padres, and I don't think Uh, I mean, I think that it'll be likely that we see one of the two uh, heading out of the NL East at the end of 2021. So briefly wrapping things up here in the National League, looking at the Central, where Fangraphs has the Brewers and Cardinals actually tied atop, uh, projected to both be under 500. Um, Not a single team in the National League Central over 500. Unlikely that I think we will see that, but it is interesting Um, I don't know that the Brewers have been in a division or we've seen a division like this, where we have four teams kind of in that below average to average, uh, frame and just one outlier and the pirates, uh, your thoughts briefly on, uh, where you see the Brewers stacking up in the NL central. Mm -hmm. Well, what it brings me back to is the 2006 Cardinals, 83 wins, won the NL central, won the world series. So I'd be okay with that result. If, uh, Even if maybe there's a 50% chance the Cardinals win the World Series, the Brewers have a shot at it too. Although I do think the Brewers are actually built solidly for October. Uh, We'll talk about that a lot more in the coming episodes as we go more in depth with the Brewers roster specifically. Uh, I don't think the Cubs and Reds are really that good. Um, I mean, neither are the Brewers and Cardinals, but I think also we we tend to... over, or maybe not we, but a lot of the statistical projections tend to overlook when teams kind of tear down. Like the Cubs, they lost Schwarber, they traded Darvish, Lester's gone. Even though they do still have a number of pieces on that roster, Bryant, Rizzo, they have a lot of holes. And I think that uh, that, that makes a bigger difference than a lot of the time that these projections like Fangraphs uh, will, will account for. Yeah, that doesn't account for the momentum or the player's attitude. I mean, Javi Baez and Rizzo coming into the season, you can imagine they have different mindsets coming into this season as they did last year and the years previous. It's it's a different team. It's a different mindset for the organization. And they know that it's going to be, you know, potentially it could be their last year in Chicago. Um, And that is a sort of up in the air. So I agree. Uh, Cubs certainly looking to wind down. And kind of restructure what the team looks like in the next couple of years mm-hmm. and then the reds too i think they're in a similar spot they traded russell iglesias their best reliever they let trevor bauer walk of course went to the dodgers <laughs> what the reds roster actually reminds me of is that meme with the horse where like the first half of the horse is like fully drawn and then the second half is like a sketch from like a three-year-old because that's what their roster looks like i mean look at their rotation they've got luis castillo Sonny gray both very good tyler molly Wade Miley, Michael Lorenzen kind of throwing a reliever into that starting role, and it kind of gets worse. So look at their offense, and they've got Eugenio Suarez, Jesse Winker, Nixon Zel Castellanos, Vado, and then you look at like their shortstop position, where they've got their backup catcher projected to get the most at-bats at the shortstop position. Maybe D Gordon. <laughs> that's right, that's right. Who uh, hasn't played shortstop in like six years. I, I don't really understand that. Um, probably just the ownership not wanting to spend money. But I, I think their roster is really incomplete, far more incomplete than uh, the Brewers or Cardinals, even though they do definitely have holes. Yeah, I, I think at this point, Brewers and Cardinals are definitely the front runners for the Central, and likely we'll see one of them. Uh, like we said, we will be doing a deep dive. Uh, Brewers depth chart preview uh, in the next couple of weeks, diving in a little bit more at both the Brewers offense and pitching as a whole. So we'll dive into more of that. Uh, so again, we kind of talked about our takes on, on who we had um, coming out of the National League. As we wrap things up, uh, who do you see coming out of the American League? Who do you see coming out of the National League? What's your World Series matchup that you're uh, expecting coming into spring training here? I think that uh, the, the American League representative will be the White Sox. Uh, I don't know if I'd say it's such a surprise, but they've got a very dynamic roster. Uh, They have a pretty good balance of young guys and veterans who are both hungry to win. And they've got a very good pitching staff. If Lance Lynn, Dallas Keuchel, and Giolito are all healthy in the postseason, that's going to be a very difficult team to beat. I think similar to the Padres. In the NL, I actually will go with the Padres. I don't know if that's necessarily the most likely statistically, but I think once they make it to the playoffs, especially if they can um, get past either potentially the wild card team or the Dodgers or both, I think that's going to be their biggest challenge. I think that whoever comes out of the NL West is probably going to make it to the World Series. And once you do get to the postseason, if you have the Padres and you have a healthy roster—Darvish, Snell, Lamet. All three are, I would say, all three are aces. And you've got Joe Musgrove, who's really good too. Chris Paddock, who knows how good Mackenzie Gore might be. Top pitching prospect in all of baseball with an outstanding offense. I think that actually the Padres probably will be the representative in the National League, or at least that's my prediction, is that it'll be White Sox-Padres, which would be a really exciting series, I think, for pretty much any baseball fan, even if you're not a fan of either of those teams. Yeah, that would be – I think that's the most exciting matchup um, and one that I would probably be rooting for if, I'm, if the Brewers are not an option, of course. Um, I'm going to go with – actually, uh, looking at the American League, it's kind of tough to take a pick on, on who I see coming out of the AL. Um, a lot of question marks in the AL West. I think White Sox have a good shot. I'm going to throw out the Yankees as uh, maybe the year the Yankees put some things together obviously still have a good roster on paper they definitely have the ability to get there uh, so i do think the yankees have a shot so yankees are gonna be my pick for the american league in our uh, way too early world series projections um and in the national league uh I, i'm wanting to go padres but i'm gonna be the boring person that projects yankees dodgers for the world series uh, i could have done that for the last what four years yeah uh and and 40 f- true 40 <laughs> that that works too uh, so I will be rooting for my projections to be wrong, but I'm going to go with Yankees-Dodgers yeah. as uh, the boring matchup of the 2021 World Series. I think that was my projection either last year or the year before. Um, I'm kind of ashamed of myself. <laughs> uh, of course, Yankees uh, haven't been able to do that. Their bullpen's not as good. Judge and Stanton, at least one of them will probably be injured by the time we get to October. Yeah, Jer- Aaron Judge got his teeth f- fixed. I did, I did hear he that. Saw that. Yeah. Biggest news in, uh, yeah. in New York. Yeah, maybe that will uh, help him stay on the field now. Um, but I do yeah. hope that I do hope he is Ed Stanton really but um, we'll see what the Yankees do obviously on paper good team um, and I don't see necessarily a favorite coming out of the American League at this point. And then finally our answer to today's trivia question uh, Just a reminder the question is who was the last Brewer to wear number eight before Ryan Braun? Um, so we'll see. Peter is feeling a little bit optimistic about this one, which I'm a little bit surprised about, but um, maybe he does know it. So who who is your answer to the trivia question? Yeah, about halfway through the episode, I was, while you were talking, I was just racking my brain on who could possibly be. I've, I'm feeling pretty confident. I'm going to go with Tony Graffanino. You're really close. Vinny Rochino. Ah, <laughs> I think Tony Graffanino wore number five. Ah, was really? I think so. Huh. Now we gotta... Yeah, we gotta look that up. Uh, Graffinino wore number nine. Ah, nine. Nine. I was pretty close. I was pretty happy with that guess. I will probably take the loss on that one. uh, Because I was pretty confident on Graffinino wearing number eight, but nine uh, in this brief stint with the Brewers. Um, So there you go. Vinny Rotino, was it you said? Mm Mm-hmm. The the lacrosse native that we talked about uh, recently. So there we go. Our uh, trivia question of the day. Last Brewer player to wear number eight previously before Ryan Braun. uh, Vinny Rotino. Rotini, Rotino. Rotino. I mixed it up with the pasta. (laughs) All right, so wrapping things up here, Uh, we got our MLB preview today. Uh, Definitely stay tuned. Uh, I'm excited to take a deep dive into the Brewers roster, uh, take a look at who we expect to see making the opening day roster, who, uh, what newcomer may make the biggest impact, um, and what kind of a year we can expect from Christian Yelich. So make sure to tune in next week, and as always, go Brewers. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Bleeding Blue and Yellow podcast. We would greatly appreciate if you would rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast. We'd also love if you would be willing to support our podcast financially. And you can find the link to do that down below in the episode notes through the Anchor app. Be sure to check out our blog at bleedingblueandyellow.wordpress.com where you can find great articles and content there. And interact with us at Brewers Podcast on Twitter or Instagram. Thanks for listening and see you next week.